Exodus chapter 2. This is actually the chapter of the Bible that we get introduced to Moses. You know, this, this character that we know so well, and even we call the law of God, even the law of Moses, because he was the one who is known as the lawgiver. He's the one that God used to bring about that law. And in Exodus 2, this is the chapter that we are first introduced to him, and we start to learn a few things about Moses. So it's going to be an interesting chapter, definitely. Also, with this video, I would like you to watch another video from the Bible Project. Now, last week I mentioned to you about the uh, overview of Exodus, and that walks through uh, kind of this visual uh, right here of, of the book of Exodus. It walks through that. But there's another video that's just called the book of Exodus, and it's part one. And it's going to go over some of the same things, though maybe not always in the same type of detail. So I'm going to put a link in the, in the description down below or just kind of look at some of the text down below and you'll see a link that you can follow and you can watch this other video that I'd like you to watch because um, I, I think these videos from the Bible Project can be very helpful to get these themes that are going to be talked about in the book of Exodus and other uh, books as well. Before we get into Exodus 2, though, let's review what we saw from Exodus 1. Okay, so in Exodus 1, we, we come across toward the very beginning that there's a new king, a new pharaoh who came about in Egypt. And this guy, it says that he didn't know about Joseph. Did he really not know about Joseph or did he just not care? Either way, what we see is this guy, he's not listening to the things of the past, to the stories of the past. He doesn't care about what Israel has done. He doesn't care about what Joseph has done. All he cares about is how he is living right then and there in his way of life. And what he sees is the Israelites are causing problems to that. So verse 8, we see that there's a new king. In verse 14, we find out that the Pharaoh is constantly trying to do things to just really oppress Israel as a whole nation within the nation of Egypt. So what he did is he made their lives bitter. He gave them all types of just difficult work, trying to just make everything about their lives bitter. He even went so far as to command the midwives um, to essentially to murder all of the baby boys that were born to the Hebrews. Now, in verse 17, we find out the midwives feared God, so they didn't do what Pharaoh told them to do. They let the boys live. Now, this is important because these are two characters that we find out about from chapter one. These are two women that we find out from chapter one who are uh, very involved in the deliverance of Moses. Now, Moses himself, he's going to be the deliverer of God's people. Okay, that's what we're leading up to with the whole Exodus. I mean, even the, the book of Exodus, the title of it, it means the exit, you know, the exiting. And Moses is going to lead that exit out of Egypt into the promised land essentially. But in order for that to even take place, we find out that these two midwives, as well as several other women that we're going to be introduced to here in Exodus 2, they all played a key part in making sure that, uh, that Moses himself was delivered and that he was carried through and was able to, to grow up. Now, I'm not trying to, to diminish the part that God plays in it. I just want you to realize that God is working uh, with these women. And sometimes we kind of overlook these, these women at the very uh, early part of Exodus. So we see those midwives, they feared God in, in uh, verse seven, 17. Then in verse 22, we find out that Pharaoh is still trying to do something. So now this is how we ended in chapter one. And it's, I mean, it, it's looking bad 
It really is. But there begins to be more hope in this chapter two. But this is how chapter one ended. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, uh, all sons that are born, you must throw into the river, but all daughters you must let live. I mean, now he's gone not just to the midwives, but now he's opened it up to all of his people. And he is really trying to cause problems to Israel. So it's looking bad. But like I said, chapter two, we start to see kind of a light at the end of the tunnel. We start to see this, this mighty deliverance from God. We won't see it fully, okay? So don't, don't get too excited about it. But just notice, we see the start of it. We see that God is still working, even when it looks dark, even when it looks like it's hard to see God working, he still is taking notice. Let's look at it together. Exodus chapter two, verses one through four. A man from the household of Levi married a woman who was a descendant of Levi. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a healthy child, she hid him for three months. But when she was no longer able to hide him, she took a papyrus basket for him and sealed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and set it among the reeds along the edge of the Nile. His sister stationed herself at a distance to find out what would happen to him. Okay, so let, let's pause right here and let's let's take notice of what's going on. For example, let me just kind of make mention of this. I, I, I kind of find this a little bit humorous. In verse one, we're just kind of told, well, a man married a woman. It, it seems pretty vague at first. I mean, we see that they're from the household of Levi, but but really, we don't know what that means yet. We don't know the significance of the tribe of Levi because, I mean, they're just one among the 12 tribes of, of Israel. But we are going to see as the story unfolds, Levi is uh, the tribe from which all the, the priests come from. And that's going to be an important part of this story. But so far, we're just introduced to this man and this woman. Okay, there doesn't seem to be anything all that special about them, except through him, uh, through them, there is going to come Moses and there's going to be something great that happens. Most of us know this story. And I mean, I, I know that, but I think it's still important for us to see how this story unfolds and to recognize uh, how great it is and really how God uh, worked in all these different ways. So we see that what happened was there's this command that all the babies are going to be thrown uh, into uh, the, the river. Obviously, that's not a good thing. And this man and this woman, specifically, it actually says uh, in verse um, three, I'm sorry, in verse two, it says that she hid him for three months. So now we have those women from the previous chapter who bring about the deliverance of Moses. But now we see that his mother is also another woman who brings about his deliverance. And what did she do? She made this basket. Now, let me tell you something interesting about this word for basket. Uh, and let me also just say this, just so you know, we're all on, the, all on the same page. I don't really know Hebrew myself, okay? But uh, I do know what some people who do know Hebrew tell me about this. And one of the things that they pointed out about this word here for, for basket is, it's the same word that was used previously back in the, uh, with, with Noah, how he built the ark. Um, you know, and obviously that was a much bigger, you know, boat. We typically call the ark, you know, either the ark or we call it, um, uh, we call it a boat. But Noah's ark, it brought about deliverance. Well, this basket also brought about deliverance from Moses. So it is kind of interesting how there's uh, those connections there. And we see another connection to uh, previously here in verse two. 
It says that when she saw that he was a healthy child, she hid him for three months. The language that's used there is the same type of language that you uh, read in the creation story. Whenever you find that phrase, and God saw that it was good, you actually find that a bunch in the creation story, that God saw that it was good. Well, the woman saw that he was a healthy child. You know, she saw that he was good. So we have kind of a few all already, a few connections that are being made to the beginning of this story, or at least to, to the previous story. Now, the reason why I point these things out and why I believe they are important is because it's important to realize here in Exodus 2, it looks bad. It kind of even can look like, at least from their perspective, it can look like God has abandoned them, but he hasn't. Just like he provided that deliverance before and just like he saw things that were good, now we see that the same type of language is being repeated here. There's things from the story that, that we could easily miss because, you know, whenever the Bible gets translated into English, sometimes we miss those phrases. I mean, after all, would you have caught those two things? I mean, I didn't, but yet I caught them because other people were telling me about them. So that's what I want to share with you, that this story, it continues on. So we see uh, here this deliverance of Moses himself, his mother. We also see that uh, the, the two midwives from the previous chapter, they feared God and they brought about deliverance. His mother feared God, brought about deliverance. And then we also see in verse two that his sister is also keeping watch over her. So now we, we are introduced to um, four women already in this story, just in the first two chapters of Exodus that bring about this deliverance here. But that's not all. There's another woman that's a very key uh, figure. What's interesting about this other woman is she's not a Hebrew. Let's look at it. Verses five and six. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself by the Nile while her attendants were walking alongside the river. And she saw the basket among the reeds. She sent one of her attendants, took it, opened it, and saw the child, a boy, crying. And she felt compassion for him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Now we're introduced to the, to the fifth woman already in chapter two. We're introduced to five women who bring about this deliverance of Moses. In this case, it's this daughter of Pharaoh. Now it's someone who, someone who is in Pharaoh's own household. This is the same Pharaoh who has forgotten about Joseph, doesn't care about the Israelites. In fact, really dislikes the Israelites. But yet what we see is his own daughter has compassion. Whenever she sees this child, whenever she saw this baby boy in verse 6, she had this compassion, she felt this compassion, and she was part of how God brought about this, this uh, deliverance of Moses himself and allowed him to grow to be an adult. Okay, but there's still more that we will learn about Moses uh, from this chapter. So let's kind of follow this story and let's see uh, what happens uh, after this, because you know, there's still a few more things. Just because you find a child and just because you have compassion and you want to help doesn't always mean that you're able to help, does it? Well, this daughter of Pharaoh, she should have been able to help. How is she going to provide that help? Well, there's a solution. Verses 7 through 10. Then his sister, that is Moses's sister, said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get a nursing woman for you from the Hebrews so that she may nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, yes, do so. So the young girl went and got the child's mother. 
Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child and nurse him for me, and I will pay your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew old, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, Because I drew him from the water. So now we see that uh, all of these women that have been in this story that bring about Moses and allow him to be preserved. They allow him to be kept safe and to continue to live and then also to grow. We also find out something interesting in this story. Pharaoh has issued this decree that all of these, these children, all of these boys, that he wants them destroyed. But yet here we find out that this one Hebrew boy, he not only gets to live, but his own mother gets to raise him and she gets paid for it. I mean, you look at all these different ways, God is setting everything up so that there will be ultimate deliverance, not just for one Hebrew child, but for the whole Hebrew nation. And we will see that as we continue to look. We also find out some significance about the name of Moses. Moses apparently was named uh, not by his own mother, but by Pharaoh's daughter. And she named him Moses. Why is that? Because I drew him from the water. And you see this connection with Moses and the water. And you see this connection about the deliverance that he's going to provide. You know, all of these things are kind of hinting at what's going to happen in this story. And we're going to notice those things. So Moses is going to bring about deliverance. And there's a very, uh, there, there's a right way that he's going to do this. And then there's also going to be a wrong way that he's going to try. Let's notice the wrong way first, because he's got to learn along in this story. Verses 11 through 15. In those days when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and observed their hard labor. And he saw an Egyptian man attacking a Hebrew man, one of his own people. He looked this way and that and saw that no one was there. And then he attacked the Egyptian and concealed the body in the sand. When he went out the next day, there were two Hebrew men fighting. So he said to one who was in the wrong, why are you attacking your fellow Hebrew? The man replied, who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Are you planning to kill me like you killed that Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid, thinking, surely what I did has become known. When Pharaoh heard about this event, he sought to kill Moses. So Moses fled from Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian, and he settled by a certain well. So here in these verses, we find out that Moses himself um, he was raised and he knew his people. In verse 11, you know, he recognized that this Egyptian, even though he grew up in Pharaoh's household and, and he knew uh, the, the way of the Egyptians, he knew that he wasn't an Egyptian. He knew that he was a Hebrew. Uh, sometimes that kind of gets a little confusing in some of the stories that we, we find about the, the life of Moses, um, you know, whether they be an animated movie, which there are some pretty good animated movies that go over the life of Moses. And there's also some pretty good, you know, other movies that are live action movies and they go over the life of Moses. However, sometimes they kind of make it out to be, well, he didn't exactly know he was a Hebrew. Well, I mean, look at what the Bible says. The Bible tells us that he knew he was a Hebrew man. He knew that these people were his own people. And he thought that he was going to be able to rise up and kind of deliver them from there. But he wasn't. See, this wasn't the right way of bringing about the deliverance. God had much bigger plans than just this one occasion right here. And these, uh, e even the Hebrew people in verse 14, you know, they kind of mock him and they ask the question, you know, who made you the ruler and the judge over us? 
they recognize what he had done, but they also are mocking him and they don't really, they don't recognize at this point that he is their ruler. He is their judge, or at least he will be. Now, we get a little bit more of the story if you kind of fast forward and, and look at the book of Acts. Now, we're not going to do this too much, but I do want to read a few verses here. In Acts chapter 7, this is Stephen, and he's giving an account and uh, you know for himself. And one of the things that he says is he starts talking about Moses. He actually talks a lot about Moses. But one of the things that he he says here about Moses was comes from Acts chapter 7, verse 25. Stephen says, Moses thought his own people would understand that God was delivering them through him, but they did not understand. That's something that we will continue to see. In fact, the Hebrews, they struggle with this idea of Moses being their their ruler, their judge, their their leader, the one who is going to bring about deliverance. Moses was was pretty well aware of what God was going to do. I mean, maybe he didn't know it all at this point. Uh, obviously, you know, he's trying to just, he's kind of lashing out and he's killing this Egyptian, you know, no matter how you look at this. I mean, yeah, he's, what he did wasn't really right. What the Egyptian was doing wasn't right either. Um, but here, this isn't how God was going to bring about the deliverance. God had something more. But this right here put put Moses's life um, actually in, in jeopardy. The Hebrews didn't really like him, were questioning him. The Egyptians, especially Pharaoh himself, once he found out about this, he wanted to kill him. So now Moses has to flee. He has to go into a little bit of an exile, so to speak. And he goes to the land of Midian. However, what happens to him in the land of Midian is very interesting. And I want us to take notice of this. Verses 16 through 22. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and began to draw water and fill the troughs in order to water their father's flock. When some shepherds came and drove them away, Moses came up and defended them and then watered their flock. So when they came home to their father, uh, Reuel, he asked, Why have you come home so early today? They said. An Egyptian man rescued us from the shepherds, and he actually drew water for us and watered the flock. He said to his daughters, So where is he? Why in the world did you leave this man? Call him so that he may eat a meal with us. Moses agreed to stay with the man, and he gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. When she bore a son, Moses named him Gershom, for he said, I have become a resident foreigner in a foreign land. So here we come across this priest of Midian, and he serves as an example that we've seen a few different times in the book of, of Genesis, if you remember. You know, we focus so much on, on the idea about the Israelites being the children of God, and they were. But do you realize that they weren't the only ones who knew the truth about God? For example, this priest of Midian, he apparently is a worshiper of the one true and living God. Now, I mean, he would be considered kind of a foreigner, but yet... He still was worshiping God. At least as we see throughout the story, he seems to be a worshiper of God. And you might have not been familiar with his name in verse 18. You know, you might have known his name as, as Jethro. Well, that's what he's going to be called later. But right now, this is his name, the uh, uh, Reuel. Um, and it, it seems like he kind of had two different names that he went by. Uh, that's not really too confusing to us. We're, we're pretty used to multiple people having um, different names in there. But this priest of Midian, um, we find out from verse 19 something about Moses. Moses apparently fit in very, very well 
with the Egyptians. And also, apparently, he was close enough to the Egyptians, and he was raised, apparently, enough like the Egyptians. Maybe he even had an Egyptian accent. Uh, I, mean, I, I don't know. Maybe that's just kind of going a little too far. But when you look at verse 19, we find out that his daughters are giving an account for why they were able to, to come back so quickly and, and how they got this help. But they actually say an Egyptian man rescued us. Hold it. Is, is there an Egyptian man in here? They're referring to Moses. They call Moses an Egyptian man. Now, I don't know. That could have just been so simple that he was just wearing Egyptian clothes. Whatever the case, Moses looked like an Egyptian. He was confused for being an Egyptian. But Moses himself, he knew his own identity. He knew that he was a Hebrew. That's why he lashed out against that Egyptian. That's why he rose up and that, that's why he, he killed that Egyptian man who was beating a, a Hebrew. It's because those Hebrews were his own people. The Egyptians were not. Even though Moses was, was raised in an Egyptian household, he wasn't really of Egypt. And Moses at this point, he goes into this foreign land. He finds this priest of Midian, and he also finds a wife for himself, Zipporah. Um, one other kind of mention that, uh, that we can kind of easily overlook. When you look at verse 15, which is on the, the previous slide that we looked at, and we also see here that, that he gets married to uh, Zipporah, where did they meet? They met at this well. Do you know anybody else who maybe met their future spouse at a well? Go back in the book of Genesis. You'll find out that that's actually kind of a theme that sort of gets uh, repeated, that uh, several different individuals, they find their future wife, or at least a well serves some part about um, having a wife in the future. So all of these things are, are hinted at. And if you're paying attention to these stories, you'll notice that there's already, we're only in chapter two of Exodus, but there's already a lot of things in Exodus that kind of tie us back to the book of Genesis and show us God is still in the midst of this. He's still doing these things. There's the same type of story that we saw uh, go throughout the book of, of Genesis. This story is continuing into the book of Exodus. And we see that this story continues with Moses and his own family. We also find out that he becomes uh, the, the father uh, of this son in verse 22, and he names him Gershom. And the reason for that name is because he says, I have become a resident foreigner in a foreign land. He's not talking about being a foreign land in Egypt at this point. He's talking about how he's now in Midian. And he knows that this isn't really what God has ultimately got planned for him, but this is part of his journey, part of his journey to, to be prepared to be this leader that God is raising up so that the children of Israel will be uh, able to have this great exodus out of the land of Egypt. There's a few more verses here in chapter two, and then uh, then we will actually be, be done with this chapter for, for this video. But let's look at these uh, last few verses, because now we really see that God is still in control and he still is aware of what's going on. Let's look at that. Verses 23 through 25. During that long period of time, the king of Egypt died. And the Israelites groaned because of the slave labor. They cried out, and their desperate cry because of their slave labor went up to God. God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the Israelites, and God understood. So now at this point in the story, we might be starting to wonder, okay, so this king of Egypt, who was really trying to oppress and, and had so many different ways that he was trying to oppress the Israelites. He himself dies. Okay. Is this going to mean 
victory for the Israelites? Is this going to mean great things in their lives? They're still in slavery. They're still crying out. And this desperate cry, it went up to God. But we hear in verse 24 and 25 that there are so many different phrases that show us God understands what's going on. It says that God heard. God remembered his covenant. God saw the Israelites and God understood. You know, how many different ways do you want to know that God is paying attention? Because he is. He's aware of what is happening to these Israelites. And he is going to do something great in their lives. He's going to do something great through the life of Moses being their leader. He's going to do something great with all of these Israelites. But right here and right now, it's a time that they're in pain. They're hurting. They're crying out. They're waiting for God to do something. God is listening. God cares. We're going to see in the next chapters just how much he cares and what the mighty hand of our God is capable of doing. I hope you will continue to, to keep tuning in here and let's learn together about the great power of God and his delivery.